Are you ready? Power. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I'm building an alliance. God bless the internet. Okay, let's party. It's showtime. It's time for the Alliance Guys podcast with your hosts Kevin Fraser, Jaden, DKM, and J. Cal. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Alliance Guys podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, your number one source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. My name is J. Cal, and this gentleman right here, well, that would be the mighty DKM. Welcome to the show, Mr. DKM. How are you this evening? Grumpy. Grumpy? So how's that different than any other day? Grumpier than normal. Oh, y'all best be on your uh, best behavior, everybody, because an angry DK is a feisty DK. Hey, Willie. What's up to... Oh, sorry about that. Uh, Everybody in the chat, what's going on? I see Bobby Batito's here wrestling with the MMA is here. Hello, Bobby. Uh, really Bowen. What's that? I was saying hello to Bobby. Oh. And it's, I don't feel uh, like typing today. I don't blame you. Just You could just uh, you know share your commentary uh, with the uh, guests uh, in the chat just by talking to them directly. I'm sure that won't disrupt the show at all. Not even a little bit. I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, this is the Alliance Guys podcast where we retcon, reconsider, review, recap all things NWA. Uh, we've had a pretty big week. Uh, a lot of uh, wrestling in the last uh, three hours of uh, YouTube presentation or Fight TV, depending on how you watch it. A lot of good wrestling. A lot of things that I'm actually happy to talk about. Uh, DK, how are you doing? How are you feeling about the NWA this week? What are your thoughts? Uh, this week was a little bit interesting. It was like they took a couple of steps forward and two or three steps back, too, on some of the stuff. Uh, anybody who's followed the show long enough probably knows what I would lambaste and uh, what I would praise. So, you know, let's see. Let's see where we go with this. Um. Do you want to talk about uh, the card that is developing for uh, Power Trip 2? Do you want to do that now or later? Yeah, let's do that now because I honestly haven't paid as much attention as other people. So you might get some actual surprise reactions from me. So the first match that they announced just a few uh, a few weeks ago was the uh, World Junior Heavyweight Championship on the line. Colby Carino challenging Homicide for the uh, – what are we calling the Junior Heavyweight title? It doesn't have a nickname yet. Uh, it's a match that uh, has kind of, let me rephrase that. It's a match that's definitely happened everywhere. I mean, all up and down the uh, northeastern seaboard, whether it be Steve Carino and Homicide or Colby Carino and Homicide, uh, the, the, that family, that legacy has certainly has issue with Homicide. They've battled all across the uh, northeast. But this time it's a little bit different because this time it's for the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship, a title that... Uh, Although it was new, newly created, has a very historic history that also rivals the 10 pounds of gold dating back to 1948. Uh, 
I know you're a big fan of junior heavyweight wrestling. What do you think about this one, Mr. DKM? Uh, other than the way Colby Carino was presented this week, I mean, it seems like a natural match. Carino's obviously been a guy that they've been building and kind of a top guy in the junior heavyweight division. I wouldn't want him to win the title yet, but, uh, you know, it's a match that makes sense for the most part. I'd like to see a little better build before they announce things like this, but, yeah. You know, and it would have been, uh, it kind of would have been fitting after this week's episode of NWA USA to make that match announcement because, you know, Colby uh, directly addressed the junior heavyweight championship. He directed his comments towards homicide. It would have been a perfect place and opportunity to say, okay, well, you want a shot? You got it. Here we go. Um, I, I like the announcements of the matches early. That's uh, I'm a stickler for that. I don't want to buy a pay-per-view or pay tickets to a wrestling show without knowing what I'm getting. So I do like that they're announcing the card a little bit sooner. However, um, I think there's ways to do this where you could marry marry it with the wrestling that we're seeing on TV and make it more palatable and make it more cohesive. Do you agree? Yeah, and that's always been one of their biggest weaknesses. I've always said by the time they film TV, it's almost like they don't know what they're doing for their next show. So things don't always match up the way they should. And we kind of saw this week, even the way things are presented in USA versus the way they are on power can be a little bit confusing. Yeah. I mean, yes, 100%. Uh, the next match that was announced, and I'm excited for this one, uh, you and I uh, going oh, uh, going back to the um, United Wrestling Network uh, debut of Harry Smith. We were all so excited to see him back on the indies. And then he signs with the WWE during the whole mess with the global pandemic and then gets released again. So, uh, it's good to see Harry Smith back on the on the Indies again, back in the NWA. Uh, and I can say back in the NWA because they debuted at the Crockett Cup. They were at the TV tapings. And Harry Smith will be a part of Power Trip 2, this time facing Mike Knox. This might be the two biggest dudes on the roster in terms of size. Um, you know, Harry Smith is, is towering over most of the people he stands in the ring with. And so is Mike Knox. And I have to ask you, DK, I mean, it's not the pairing that I wanted, but do you think that this match might be interesting? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a hoss fight. You know, we love our hoss fights. For sure. And, uh, you know, Knox, for as much as I pummeled him because of how he became a challenger for Dick Murdoch. Trevor Murdoch. Trevor Murdoch, Dick Murdoch, Trevor Murdoch, one of the Murdochs. Dick was better. <laughs> And I, I liked him better. But anyway, uh, his, his elevator didn't go all the way to the top, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's one of his own lines. Yeah. And uh, mine does go all the way to the top, but it doesn't stop on every floor in between. Uh, you know, Knox is somebody who you can put in these big boss fights and, you know, he can have a good one. It's not going to be a technical wrestling showcase, but, you know, he can be there to slap the crap out of uh, another big guy. And 
Harry Smith I like. And this type of match that, and I don't know what they're going to do with it, but this type of match that you would go, hey, the winner of this one should, you know, wrestle Jack Zane for the national title, which I said on Facebook, and Jack didn't necessarily like the fact that I said that. <laughs> he told me to hush. So, so I, sorry, I, he can probably beat both of them, but yeah, you know. Well, get, big, we, get big two hosses in there and let the winner go face the next big hoss. We we make no qualms about how much we uh, like and admire one Jack Stain. And uh, to your point, yeah, I think Jax could take the winner regardless of who walks out as the winner. Uh, but I think a big hoss fight is always fun. Uh, we do enjoy our Haas fights on here. Um, the continuation of the storyline from Crockett Cup as well kind of plays out here because remember uh, VSK and um, and Mike Knox came out during the uh, championship match between Cardona and Aldis, and it was the the uh, Commonwealth Connection uh, Smith and Williams. Why did they call them Smith and Williams? That would have been a great tag team name. Oh man, what a missed opportunity there, Smith and Williams. Because uh, I didn't get to name them. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, they came out to run them off, and so it kind of made a, uh, it kind of makes sense that the continuation of the storyline, although that Nick Aldis and Harry Smith haven't really been seen on camera as a cohesive unit, it just feels like this is kind of like uh, it continues to play off of that storyline that they were developing at Crockett Cup. So. At first, I didn't love this match, and I kind of wanted it to mean something more. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, it's good. This is going to be a good match. It's going to be a fun match. you got to put your faith in Harry Smith. He, I haven't seen him have a bad match uh, on the independent wrestling scene. And uh, Mike Knox might be the right guy to have a good Haas fight with him. So I'm excited. Uh, real quick, Firefly says, Mike Knox is missing something. His current position reminds me of when Aaron Stevens was floundering as a face. I mean, yeah, he certainly is missing something. I think it's called charisma. Um, he doesn't do a whole lot to get me excited one way or the other. You know, you look at someone like Wrecking Ball Ligurski, and, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Wrecking Ball Ligurski was given a very marginal role on the show. Him and Jay Bradley were the fixers, and that was supposed to just be Colby Carino's henchmen. And I feel like right now they've probably eclipsed that. And I think they're probably more over on the roster than Colby is. In fact, I think Wrecking Ball Ligurski is one of the more over guys on the show uh, because of his natural charisma. You got to give the guy credit. He took something that was um, marginal and made it something kind of uh, interesting and fun. Um, well, not just somebody who would definitely benefit from a manager, but, you know, the, the group there, Cardona's kind of the, Cardona's kind of the spokesperson, but we see this a little bit in the NWA with the groups. It's like they're fact, they have their factions and sometimes they come out and interfere, but they don't always make appearances together. Mm -mm. Well, this is, this is one of those situations. You're right. He would benefit from a manager, but like uh, on the brand already, there's no viable option. Can't be managed by Austin idol. Um, can't be managed by uh, Danny deals. Should it be managed by Sinister Minister? So it's kind of like uh, you've got this guy just floating there, and you're right. But then to, to, to further what you said, Matt Cardona is kind of like the player coach. So 
I mean, he should be the manager. He should be in his corner, but uh, I don't think that's working the way they would want it to. Anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll move on to the next match. Speaking of Cardona, uh, we have his opponent from Crockett Cup taking on his best friend in uh, Brian Myers. Now, uh, Brian Myers, uh, as many of you guys know, him and Cardona were a tag team for the WWE for quite a long time. I believe they held the tag titles on multiple occasions. Um, he's been working Impact lately along with Cardona. Uh I'm not going to say that this is a bad matchup because I know Nick Aldis could have a, a good match with almost anybody. Brian Myers is certainly a gifted athlete. Uh, I know the storyline is that he's Cardona's best friend and all that, but uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. What, what is your take on this one? Uh, the problem for me is I don't know Myers outside of the uh, well, Kurt Hawkins, Curtis Haskins. Yeah. What I, I don't remember what his name was in WWE. But he, got, I mean, his last uh, major storyline there was that he was basically on a terrible losing streak until he and Zack Ryder teamed up and won the tag team belts. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't watch Impact, so I can't say. Oh man, you know, he's really impressed me in Impact. So it's going to be strange that he's. In the wrestling world, he's a well-known individual. But my personal world, I don't really know much about him or what his style is or how good he is. So, I mean, the good thing about if you put him in with someone like Aldis is Aldis is someone who can cover weaknesses. But, I mean, they could have a really good match. I, I don't know. If any of you out in the chat land there, follow him at all. You know, tell me is is he good? Is is this somebody? Is this a match I should be really excited about? Kind of excited about, or why are they having this? A few I, years I, ago, I a few years ago, when he was out of the WWE, he had a, uh, a special attraction match at the United Wrestling Network during one of their red carpet rumbles, and I wasn't very interested in him at all, and I. I'm not trying to downplay the guy because, I mean, he is a product of the WWE farm system, just like uh, just like Matt Cardona. I don't want to say anything negative about him, but he just seems to kind of exist. I, I haven't seen anything like good or bad from him. Um, you know, it just he's just there. So uh, I don't know what if you guys uh, if you guys have something positive to say, please uh, put it in the comment section. Uh, let us know what you think about that matchup between Brian Myers and uh, former world's heavyweight champion Nick Aldis. Uh, speaking um, of the chat, what would Lupez do? Notes that Cornette put it best. There's no personality machine at the gym. So, yeah, you know, it's something it's something you either have or you, you can develop it, but it does take time. That's a hard uh, that's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of guys. Yeah, Ligurski says, or Firefly says, Ligurski has natural baby face expressions, which I'm not going to disagree with him on. I mean, there's, he can look big, mean, and tough, but he does kind of, you know. He, he looks like your buddy. You know what I mean? He looks like a your pal, your pal over there wrestling. Yeah, he's like the guy that, 
as someone who's overweight, I can say this. He looks like the fat guy that we go, you know, that when you go out, he's a lot of fun. <laughs> and, and, and he probably drinks too much and he probably has a little too much excitement. And then the next day you're playing like some kind of church league softball or whatever. And he gets up and he smashes one over the fence. Maybe his only hit that day, but you know, it's going to be a big deal. And so, yeah, I, I, I kind of see where he says this. Uh, Vincent Verb X Patterson, who I'm just going to call X from now on. Let's hope that a seriously groom Harry to be champion. Uh, I would agree with that. I, I, I don't think any of us would have a problem with that, especially if that means we get more Harry Smith on power and USA. Um, let, let's be honest. He is a great athlete. Like there's the dude trains in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he's not wrestling. He's held tag team titles in every major company, you know, up until AEW. I mean, he was the WWE tag champion, IWGP tag champion, uh, NWA tag team champion. I even think he held the tag titles for uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, the GHC tag titles. So, yes. Uh, so, I mean, he is certainly a, a, the right caliber person you'd like to see in there. Plus, I mean, he's a third generation wrestler. Uh, and I really feel like he could help propel the NWA forward too, if given the opportunity. Yeah, what what else is going on? What other matches? So, do we have? so those are the matches that are set for uh, the next big event, uh, Power Trip Two. Back so we don't really have a main event yet, do we? No, but uh, I think I just read somewhere that uh, Matt Cardona says I'm always ready, but I'm not always there. So that's why Brian Myers is coming in to face uh, to face Nick Aldis. So I don't know if we're going to have a world title match on that event, which probably means we'll have a, a uh, besides a junior heavyweight, we'll probably see some more titles on that card, like the national and maybe the TV title. Well, um, let's see Briscoe's versus La Rebellion. I mean that if they book that, that's the, that's your draw right there. That should be the main event. That should be the match because well, I mean, I mean it is the main event. Uh, you know, look, this is one of those things where I kind of get upset with wrestling people nowadays. The main event is what draws the money. I don't care where the hell you put it on the card. Sure. Don't Fair tell enough. me. Don't tell me. Oh well. You know, Bob versus Joe was the last last match on the show, so that's the real main event. No, it's not. And in the boxing world, and even in the wrestling world. WWE world class or whatever, they always had a match after the main event. Because get the fans down and give the champion a chance to get out of town and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, the main events, that's what I'm paying for. If I were paying money, that's what I'd be paying for. And so the one I would pay for is the Briscoes having a shot at winning the world tag team titles because they've never held the individual tag team titles and it would just be a wonderful addition to their collection. Yeah, I mean, and that match is so important for both teams really because as it stands right now, we don't know the future of um, the Briscoes. We don't know if they're signed with uh, AEW or if they're going to be able to sign with Ring of Honor. I mean, the whole Time Warner thing, and that's something else. I mean, Let's take a let, let, let's pump the brakes on the NWA for just a second because this is kind of relevant to pro wrestling in general. With the Time Warner 
um, spinoff from AT&T and now Discovery and Time Warner are one company, which means that the, the one of the larger streaming networks just got larger with all those intellectual properties from the Warner Brothers universe and DC Comics and all that stuff. All of that, including AEW, is now part of this big conglomerate, this big uh, digital media company. And now you have to t- think that there might even be a finer tooth comb on some of the talent that they decide to use. Maybe that will prevent them from signing a tag team like the Briscoes or maybe using some wrestlers who have um, checkered pass or being more uh, quick to action with a wrestler who perhaps gets in trouble with the law or uh, has accusations thrown at them. So uh, a lot of things are could potentially change because of the corporate structure of Time Warner. And that impacts everything from TNT, TBS, and all those, uh, everything that's connected to the Discovery merger. So, uh, you know, the Briscoes might not be able to go work for Ring of Honor because of contract restrictions and everything else with Time Warner. Um, that And that's something to be, at, at the very least, uh, cognitive of. Because if that means that they can't work for the second biggest company and the WWE doesn't seem to have much of an interest in them, that means that they're going to dominate on the indies. That means they'll be available everywhere. Is that a good idea to put your tag team titles on a team that's going to be available everywhere? Maybe. Again, you know, uh, what will Lutez do? Just says, um, I'm done putting energy into part-time wishy-washy champions. Champions in quotes. If you don't I don't care if you carry the 10 pounds of gold into every match as, cha- as champion. If you're not there for every big show, are you really the NWA champion? And, you know, to a point, it depends. Uh, but naturally, you'd want your champion. If someone's your champion, especially your world champion, whether it be the world tag team, world junior heavyweight, world uh heavyweight you would want your promotion whatever promotion you are bob's bob's promotion or nwa or aew or whatever you'd want your promotion to be the most important promotion to them yeah for sure and uh again that's where i've had issues with cardona because we know in reality it's he likes being an NWA champion, but it's not going to be the most important. And look, right now, that doesn't mean that he won't be there, whatever he's saying at the moment. Yeah. He could he could not be advertised and show up unadvertised. Uh, like, he could end up with a match. We don't know. Uh, so... You know, let's wait, let's watch, let's see what happens. And then um, our pal Dave Scooby has a good suggestion or question anyways. Does Camille need to have a match? Or should they have a qualifier match for the next contender for the Burke? Genocide and Killian King are waiting in the wings. I mean, that's a good point, too. I, I mean, I know she's advertised for the card, but does she need to have a title defense there? Um, and my first, my first knee-jerk reaction is absolutely she needs to have a title defense there. But then when you start thinking about it for a minute, she's beaten everyone on the card, everyone in the roster. Who has she not beaten yet? She beat Genocide. 
she hasn't faced Killian King. That match hasn't happened yet. Um, I, I mean, I, technically, she had a match with uh, Natalia Markova that ended in a disqualification. But, uh, I mean, there's nobody there that, that that can beat her that we've seen so far anyways. It hasn't been built up properly. So having her not yeah. wrestle... We'll get to this when it's in the show. They killed off one of her potential uh, contenders. I I don't mind if she's on the show and she defends the title against whoever they pick. On the other hand, does she absolutely have to be there? She needs to be there in some type of story. Either, uh, either defending the title or there's a number one contenders match, so she's there to watch and see who the number one contender is going to be. That would be my preference. Well, they, I mean, the other thing they could do with her, too, if they wanted to, um, and this kind of gives uh, the Hex a rub, is put her in a tag team against the Hex with somebody on the roster. Uh, my choice would be like a, like a genocide got a female version of the legion of doom right there um just two really bad chicks who could uh, cause some pain but uh you know i don't know how they want to to do all that and then besides they you know we'll get to it later too but genocide had some uh, comments about being in tag teams anyways so um i mean that kind of covers what's been happening this week in the nwa uh we mentioned it at the pre-party camille made her debut at xpw um, it, I don't think it was technically an, a title match. I don't think she was defending the Burke. She just showcased it. She wrestled Taya Valkyrie, and, and it was a pretty good match from from what I saw. I know that that was a very long show. The XPW show went about uh, six hours. People were getting home like at 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but they did like a death match tournament with some regular wrestling matches, and it just – chaotic anyways uh uh she's supposed to be back at their next show which is on june 25th um who knows if that's going to be a women's world title match or not but uh do we know the uh, outcome of the match oh it ended in a no contest um you know camille hit her spear she had ty valkyrie pinned um i don't know much about xpw storyline but whoever the associate was with ty valkyrie uh pulled the referee out of the ring and then the referee just threw the match out uh, but it should have been Car- it should have been Camille. She should have got the pin. Uh, I-, I mean, at least how they were building it. It was a very fantastic match. Again, Taya Valkyrie is extremely talented. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, we had this pin, this cover, this one, two referee pulled out of the match, and then they just threw it out. So, locally, locally, then. <laughs> All right. Well, then. Uh, Let's head on to NWA USA. 30 minutes of pro wrestling. It's probably the fastest minute, uh, fastest 30 minutes in wrestling that you'll watch all week, uh, especially if you do like I do and put it on YouTube at uh, one and three quarter speed so it goes by a little bit quicker. Um, and at least then you missed the commentary. No, because you still hear it. It's just they sound a little funny. Oh, my um, sense. Not quite chipmunks, but <laughs> season two, episode three of NWA USA. The show opens with uh, uh, 
May Valentine. I always want to say Agent May because I used to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, May is in the back with Chris Silvio Esquire, also known as Jax Dane, Jack's Dane's legal representation. Easy for me to say. He agrees that this tag team match to determine a challenge for the national championship is wrong and motions that Jax will face whoever Jax wants to face, essentially meaning that this match is meaningless because he is the national champion and he should determine who his challengers are. Uh, no, that's not how it works, Mr. Silvio. Maybe uh, I, I know your background is pro wrestling, but maybe pay a little bit more attention to the wrestling than to the legal textbooks because uh, the champion faces whoever the owner of the company wants the champion to face, period. Uh, any thoughts on this one, DK? No, I'll express any thoughts later when we talk about the match. Okay. Uh, second, uh, we get Kyle Davis at the podium uh, with Colby Carino. And Colby doesn't want to talk about his loss at the Crockett Cup. He even said specifically, hey, at Homicide, if it was just you and I in the ring, uh, you know, there would have been a different outcome. Um, the fans are really giving him some heat right here. They're really harassing him, which is – I mean, that's kind of what you want when you have a heel in on the show. You want them to get that heat. Uh, Colby drops the name, uh, or not the name, but drops the old adage, do you know who I am? Do you know who my father is? He no. says, do you know my, what my name means in no. pro wrestling? Uh, he reminds us that he earned his first NWA victory at age 12. Uh, and then he also mentioned, and by the way, his first NWA victory uh was when um let me see I, I see it here i think it's when he defeated the original monster c which would have been his pops so uh oh wait no 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 i take it back he defeated the golden boy back in 2009 at bcw summer nights in wisconsin so in case anyone was wondering which golden boy was it there's about 20. uh you know you're asking me questions i don't have answers to let's see uh, no, it doesn't even give me an option to look him up because it's Golden Boy number six. We'll just go with that. Works as well as any other. Don't source me on that. And then he brings up the fact that he challenged for the World Junior Heavyweight Championship at age 14. Now, that was in 2011, May 22nd, at World One All or Nothing. And that was a, an event held in... Jackson, New Jersey. Now, if our other pal Jaden would have been here, he would have probably told you that the match to determine that number one contendership happened uh, not on a dog event, but actually on another NWA event in that local area. Uh, but Colby Carino had wrestled for the Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators, teaming with Roxy Cotton to take on Arlene and the Sensational One at one of the uh, dog events Uh really just a, a month or two earlier before he defeated or before he challenged Craig classic for the world junior heavyweight title. And then a story about Craig classic real quick. If you can't tell, I'm just trying to sound smart here. Craig classic won the uh, junior heavyweight championship from Mike Quackenbush. Quackenbush uh, was almost inactive as champion. It was one of the darkest times. Almost. For the junior well, he had he wrestled Claudio Castagnoli in an open weight match for the junior heavyweight title. How would that even have worked if Colby or if uh, if uh, I almost called him Cesaro? If Claudio would have won, would he have had to forfeit the title, or would they have changed the rules of the belt? 
I probably would have forfeited the title. Uh, it was, it was stupid. He, he had like six title defenses in the first year or 10 months or something like something reasonable. And then he went like two years, two years without ever defending the title. So when Craig Classic won the title, we were all very excited for the NWA. This was at a time uh, that the NWA was really starting to um, kind of find its own identity after splitting from TNA. You saw a lot more wrestling promotions show up. Uh, NWA Florida, uh, the partnership with Zero One, uh, a lot of promotions that were around at the time. Uh, and then you had this guy, Craig Classic, who, again, we mentioned Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators, our pals over there in New Jersey. They hosted him for a show where he defeated uh, Joey Spades. Uh, the next day, uh, he defeated Colby Carino uh, at the uh, World One show. Uh, he literally had about uh, a good, like, 14 title defenses before he uh, vacated the title uh, shortly uh, after the Sheik was stripped of the title um, because of the controversial uh, uh, Sheik not wanting to defend the title against Adam Pierce at the uh, anniversary, the uh, Ohio State Fair. It, it wasn't an anniversary show. It was just an Ohio State Fair show that was put on by the actual National Wrestling Alliance. Not a promoter, not a promotion, but DK, I see your face. Uh, am, I, am I going too far into this? No, I'm just remembering that whole time and the Sheik and he was an idiot and uh, her classic was a bigger idiot and but I, I think he I think he bought into the Sheik telling him some stuff that was never going to happen well, we we had Craig classic on the show and and the fact of the matter is he was when he became champion he almost I don't want to say he was living in Japan but he had uh, uh, some sort of residency in Japan. So he was doing a lot of traveling back and forth, uh, wrestling for big Japan pro wrestling before winning the NWA World uh, Junior Heavyweight title. Uh, then he went to zero one and was able to defend the title there. And then when he forfeited the title, he kept the belt and somehow took that belt to zero. A big confusing cluster F, if I can just use that word. Uh, but something that I think... Uh, Certainly shrouded in uh, in just the absolute inane silliness at that time was Colby Carino, who was 14 years old, challenging for the heavy, uh, World Junior Heavyweight Championship. So I just thought that was kind of a little uh, callback. And he when he brought that up, I was like, oh, yeah, Craig Classic. I remember that. And then just uh, opened up a can of worms for me. So... <laughs> uh, so Kobe drops the, do you know what my family means in pro wrestling? Uh, and then Kobe unexpectedly kind of puts over homicide says, I, you know, we, I know about you. I know what you've done, but reminds him that he doesn't have much luck against the Carinos. And if you go and look at some of the, the, the matches that him and, you know, Steve Carino had back and forth uh, years ago, uh, there was a, a bit of a blood feud there and it kind of continued through to Kobe when he became of age and was wrestling uh, on the independence, him and homicide uh, tended to have a lot of uh, rivalries even before the NWA. So I thought it was a good promo. Uh, Colby did the right thing by putting over homicide, but also kept to the heel tactics. The crowd gave him a lot of heat for that. DKM, what'd you think of this one? 
Uh, it was a good interview. It was a good little promo. I don't, it wasn't great. It wasn't like I was wasn't blown away, but you know, it was good. It, it, it accomplished what it needed to. Exactly. Uh, that and then basically he says that he he's ready to fight and he'll fight anyone that throw at that throw at him. He didn't even want to wait for the commercial. However, you know it's YouTube, so they need to take the commercial break. And then out comes action. Mike Jackson, seventy-two year old, seventy-two year old wrestler. Like uh, I don't have a lot of nice things to say about uh, guys who are in their 70s still wrestling i know a lot of people like hey man that guy could still go but it was very hard for me to get into this match uh not only was mike jackson 72 years old um velvet sky was very heel on the commentary uh she was very dismissive of jackson which i mean kind of was in line with what i felt anyways but uh uh it just, I don't know, he hit a lot of his signature arm drags, which I, I, is very impressive for somebody 72 years of age, but Colby Carino is supposed to be one of the, the guys that is like the future of this company. At least that's how I feel he's presented on air. So when he's taking a lot of offense from a guy who, again, is 50 years older than him, I mean, they even said it on commentary that Action Jackson was 47 when Colby was born. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's something. And, uh, and uh, uh, Carino misses a or Carino misses a Swanton bomb. He starts taking a lot more offense from Jackson. Carino ends up uh, going to the outside. Uh, Jackson's gonna dive on him. Carino uses a foreign object, smashes Jackson in the face, prevents him from going through the ropes. Gets in the ring, picks up the one, two, three. Yeah, you had to cheat to win on a seventy-two-year-old man. I don't know how I feel about this one. DK, tell me how you feel. It was god-awful. I mean, you could not do anything more to damage a young up-and-comer. I'm not the biggest Colby Carino fan, but come on. Someone pull your head out of your ass. A 72-year-old beats him up, and he has to use a foreign object to win? I mean... Forget people who wrestle at 72. They only wrestle at 72 because some jackass puts them in the ring. So I don't know whose idea this was. I don't know who came up with it. Uh, I don't know that was Billy specifically or someone proposed it to him and he said yes. Either way, it was stupid. And whoever came up with it should be fired. And if it was Billy that came up with it, Everybody who said, oh, that's a great idea, Billy, should be fired. And, oh, just terrible. Absolutely horrendous. This is the NWA I hate. I didn't care for Ricky and Robert Gibson. Like, I'll admit that I was excited when they won the titles because it was a kind of cool moment. But uh, they're quite legendary. Sure. Sure, but I, I mean, even but they're also ten years younger than than uh, than Action Mike Jackson. Uh, Dave Scooby says I love. It was the top never rope. called Action Mike Jackson back when he was wrestling as a jobber for Georgia. <laughs> Dave Scooby says I love the top rope walk by Jackson, but this didn't do anything for the NWA proper. Yes, 
Yes, and if you needed to do this match, Sauronaro's right there. Hell, Captain Yuma somewhere in the locker room. They didn't need to use Colby Carino, a guy who was going to be the uh, next big challenge for the the junior heavyweight title. That's what I mean. The nine pounds of golden leather. Uh, this is what kind of just uh, it hurt me to see it, and it honestly. And then after the next match, kind of just made me want to turn off uh, USA. But we'll get to that. Um, maybe maybe not the next match. Maybe it was. Maybe I'm getting confused. No, yeah, the next match. Uh, then we get uh, the next segment is six. Or did you have anything more you want to say? Or are you good? Can we move on. I I will talk from now until Judgment Day if you let me. So you better move. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, next up, we have uh, the 60 seconds with Markova. Now, these 60 second segments have been pretty good, although I was kind of disappointed with Natalia Markova's. I was hoping to hear a little bit about her, her background. Uh, she just said pretty much the same thing she said in every other promo we've seen her in. Uh, she stayed too much in character. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, there's a place for it, but this isn't it. <laughs> This is the moment to, to really kind of connect with the fan base, and I feel like this was a missed opportunity for her. Uh, I felt like uh, Capri set the bar very high. Kenzie Page did a fantastic job with hers. Uh, Markova just kind of fell flat to me. I didn't I didn't get it. I didn't buy into it. And I am, I'm a Markova fan. Uh, from what I see in the ring, I like a lot. This, I just, I was, mm. Hey, talk for 30 seconds. I got to throw a dog out. All right. Uh so then as it continued to go on, well, let's talk about Markova because I want DK to be here as we continue to talk about the show. Markova has been so good on power that, excuse me, on USA, I felt like maybe she didn't even need this time, and I felt like maybe this could have been used for somebody who is lesser known or we don't see as much, uh, perhaps maybe like a, a Mims or, I mean, I know we get a lot of Mims, but maybe that would have been a good, good opportunity for him. Or maybe Alex Taylor, who's somebody that's been kind of showcased a lot on this show. Or even a Marche Rocket, right? Even though he's a hill, Marche Rocket has been on, on NWA USA quite a bit, uh, tag team and singles. So maybe that would have been a more opportune time to put him uh, on that show, uh, in that segment. Uh, what do you guys think? Comments? Comments? Uh, what would Luthez do says that he can ex expect a Camille versus Markova as, as the main event. I think you're talking about for power trip too. And I don't know. I mean, after watching power, I don't know if I exactly agree with that. We'll get back to that though in a moment. Um, I think DK will be a, a few minutes longer. So we'll just keep going here. Uh, next up is the sour Naro versus Sean, uh, Aria Davari, excuse me, not Sean Davari. And I hate I hate that Galley and Sky act like Renaro uh, is is a split personality kind of thing here. He's full on embraced the sinister minister. He's full on embraced that whole gimmick of uh, being a part of this uh, of, of this faction, this group. So I think it's a bit weird that they keep uh, referring to him as a oh it's it's your pal Sal or, or oh, this is out of character for Sal like no he's he's changed he's not the same person anymore with that being said uh the entire thing just feels very cringe the match itself wasn't bad there's a lot of back and forth between Renaro and Davari the weird thing is is because Davari isn't a a natural baby face uh 
and Renaro up until this point has been a baby face. You had the crowd cheering for uh, Renaro, which kind of is counterintuitive of his new heel persona. Uh, if you're going to put Renaro in a match, I mean, Renaro, if you want him to be a heel, you can't put him up in a match with another guy who's presented as a heel. Um, Davari gets the win when he uses his magic carpet to distract Sal. He throws the carpet out of him, and, and, and Renaro holds that thing over his face for a good 10 seconds longer than he needed to. Super kick by Davari, followed up by a flying carpet ride splash off the top rope. Uh, Davari gets the win. I mean, the match itself wasn't bad, but just some silly spots in it. DK, what were your thoughts? Fire Sal. Get rid of the carpet. Those are my thoughts. Not, this a, is good, kind of a, not a good show this week. No, this is the kind of stuff that we didn't like on Power, and it found, somehow it permeated to USA, uh, which I guess would be all right if it stayed on USA and not returned to Power, but, uh, well, let's just keep going. Um, after the match, Davari victorious. Um, and I, I hate these kind of interviews, too, where uh, Kyle Davis says, hey, congratulations on your victory now. Do you think you want to challenge for the Junior Heavyweight Championship? Hmm, let me think. He was in the junior heavyweight tournament. Hmm, if he has the wins and losses to get qualified for a title match, of course he'd want that, right? Is that is that is am I crazy for them to assume that that he'd want a title match? Well, anyone should know that the person wants a shot at a championship, so. I mean, I guess the answer could be, well, no, not the junior heavyweight. I decided to go after Tyrus and the and the TV title. I mean, okay. except for the fact that Tyrus would step on him and he would go splat. And I'm not even a Tyrus fan. No. So, uh, yeah, the the show is burning quickly. Well, it- and then, and then, so we're expecting him to say, "Yeah, I want a shot at homicide," or "No, I want a shot at tires," or something. No, he calls out Nick Aldis. What? The guy who's trying to wrestle Matt Cardona for the world's heavyweight championship? Oh, you know, every time he talks to my brother, he doesn't even ask how I'm doing. Oh man, who did? Was this off script? Did, was this was this approved by somebody? Because again. Why is he calling out all this? What's the point? This just seems like a, I don't know. It's the only way to get all this on the show? I don't know. I mean, th- that's fine. That's fine. No, it's not. it was stupid. This was stupid. And, and you know, that's kind of a hallmark of this show has been kind of stupid. Uh, then you get Ricky Morton in the back with May and, and, Ricky's putting over his son again. And I, I mean, that's what a good dad will do, right? Uh, something I heard that kind of caught my ear. And I said this, I think I said it last week. Maybe I said it two weeks ago. I like Kerry Morton, I think, better as a heel. And I think that's where they should put him. Because he comes off as very, very egotistical. And I think he could be the hill that they want Kobe Carino to be. Um, but 
nevertheless, uh, he says, Ricky, about his own son that he goes, uh, but I don't think it's his time to wrestle for the championship. And I mean, that's an honest, that's an honest uh, uh, admission of your son's preparedness in the in the world of wrestling. But if you're his son, don't you take that as kind of an insult? What do you mean, dad? You don't believe in me? You don't think I can be champion? I just thought that that might have been uh, a slip that might be pointing uh, Morton Carey into the into that heel position. What did you think about this? Am I reading too much into it? Probably not, but honestly, since I was kind of running behind, I, I actually watched these shows just before this. I fast-forwarded through Ricky. <laughs> I didn't care. It wasn't a great promo. It, it just, this the little piece in there kind of made me think that maybe uh, they're hinting at a heel turn. We can hope. Uh, he would be a more interesting character that way. I think he would. He's not his papa, and that's the thing. He's He walks around with a lot of swagger for somebody who hasn't done anything. And, and I'm not trying to sound insulting, but Kerry Morton's done nothing in the business. His his pops did a lot. So if his pops has swagger, it's, it's well earned. Kerry hasn't done that yet. He, he didn't wrestle in the Sportatorium. He hasn't you know, wrestled the Midnight Express. He, he, what he's done is, is minimal, is marginal. Um, so... He shouldn't be walking around with that swagger. So I, I don't know. It it would make a great story with him turning heel and breaking his daddy's heart. Um, but we'll see. That all remains to be seen. Uh, next up, we get the Fixers versus Marche and a mystery opponent. Now they hinted at this earlier in the night. Joe Galley said that the match had not been sanctioned to be a number one contenders match for the national title. Um, then Galley uh, noted right before this match that uh, made in the USA Medusa uh, did in fact make this a, uh, the winner of this match gets a shot at uh, the national champion, Jack Stain, which makes things very confusing as we get Jay Bradley and uh, you know, wrecking ball Ligurski out there. You get, uh, you get Marche with black G's. You notice how like Austin Idol doesn't even come out with, with a Marche. It's he's a strictly a black G's uh, uh, manager or uh, uh, not manager, but um, sort of looking for client. Oh, good. Marche is his client. He, he, he's not really an idol mania because you don't see idol out there with them. You just see black G's out there with them. And uh, and then his partners announced as Jack Stane, which what? Huh? Why? Because Jack Stane is the national champion and. You would think he'd want both teams to lose. He doesn't want any either one of these guys to get a shot. Um, so that was kind of confusing. I know they were trying to make it a swerve and everything else, but it just again, this one falls flat. And I love, I love Jack Stain. And you know me, I've been very at I've been advocating for the fixers. I wanted them to win the Crockett Cup. Um, I like Jay Bradley and I like Wrecking Ball Ligurski, especially as a tag team. This was very fun. But this was kind of not. But surprisingly, Marche and Jax uh, work very well together. Um, uh, you know, at first, uh, Jax is sitting on the on the on the floor. He never gets up on the ring apron. Uh, basically, almost like he's not a part of the match. Um, and at first, it looks like Jax won't be a factor at all. But after distracting Ligurski by grabbing his leg, he gets on the apron, and he and Marche actually do quite a good job of teaming together. 
uh, Jax was able to lift Ligurski in a spot where, uh, you know, if you watch, if you're on social media, if you follow Jack Stain, he kind of commented and shared the video of, of uh, you know, I think uh, Galley said 350. I think uh, uh, Velvet said 390. So he's like, okay, I'm slamming someone who's like 500 pounds. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it was pretty cool to see him because Ligurski's a big dude. And that also made me think, wow, if he could pick up Ligurski, he could pick up Tyrus. You know, if he uh, if he wants to try to unify some titles like he has in the past, now's the time to go after Tyrus, right? Um, that body slam challenge, right? Uh, anyways, Marche and Jax end up winning, setting up a Marche versus Jax for the national championship. What do you think about the match? And what do you think about the stipulation? Let, let, let's do the match first and then tell me about the stipulation. For what it was, the match was okay, except for you had an established team lose to not only a non-established team, but a team that didn't necessarily really want to be teaming together to begin with. Yeah, Not, not so much force, but not like, you know, hey, we're here to help each other. Putting Jack Stane in the match was... I mean, I I don't even know what they were thinking. If you're going to put him in the match, at least he, he should win. Because then it kind of like, oh, well, now he either gets to pick his own challenger or he doesn't have to defend, you know, something. Yeah. There was uh, no incentive for him at all in this match. I mean, he basically helped somebody to challenge him. And then at the end, he's looking like he's unhappy. What did you think when you tagged out? <laughs> you know, okay. I, so I don't, I didn't understand the logic. I didn't understand. I, you weren't expecting either Ligurski or Bradley to challenge for the national title. I'm not, you wouldn't be interested in either one of them challenging for the national title. I mean, for to be honest. Neither one of them are presented in a way that you go, oh, you know, that could be a good, interesting matchup. So it's, I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know why they booked it the way they booked it. I don't know why Dane would be in here. And I don't like that a established team took this, took this loss especially what considered what happens in power. So now USA used to be one of my favorite shows because basically at 30, they would keep it around 30, 35 minutes. Yep. They would keep it more simple, more basic. They put on some good wrestling and it's like they decided this episode Hey, you know those guys on the podcast, those sandwich jabberonis or whatever? Let's do everything that they hate and put it all on show. (laughs) Yep. Because that'll teach them. Yeah. Well, I mean, it did. Yeah, it taught us not to watch USA. (laughs) Well, and I agree with you. Like, uh, USA, uh, in that first season... It, it hit the ground running. I felt like there were more good episodes than bad. 
mostly a good show. And then the first two episodes of this season, good work. I was happy. This episode, just the, the wheels fell completely off. Um, it was off the rails, whatever you want to call it. Just did not connect the way I think they wanted it to. So hopefully this was just a one-off and they get back to what made it a good show. Um, but that remains to be seen. We'll find out next week. Supposedly, I think we have a G, uh, the national championship on the line, I think, next week. Unless they're saving that for the primetime, excuse me, the uh, uh, premiere live event of uh, 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 what is the power trip to? Sorry, I kept wanting to say uh, by any means necessary, and I knew that wasn't right. Uh, so moving on, season eight, episode four of NWA Power. We get. We get Kyle Davis in the back with Nick Aldis. Um, and again, didn't acknowledge the challenge by uh, Aria Davari. So it shows you how important that challenge was. Aldis wants a title shot. Um, but his problems with Matt Cardona are so much more important to him than his problems uh, trying to become world's heavyweight champion. And tonight, he's going to be rooting for the Pope. He actually wants the Pope to win because a matchup between Alderson and the Pope makes sense to him, and he wants that match. He thinks that's a money match. But tonight, uh, or, or tonight, he's rooting for the Pope. And he'll gladly challenge the Pope once the Pope wins the title. But his problems are with Matt Cardona, um, and they, all his problems go beyond the belt. So, kind of a—I mean, it's nice to hear that uh, that uh, you know Alderson's problems go beyond the belt, and you know. Hopefully soon that that belt won't be available to Cardona or Aldis. Um, but ever, nevertheless, uh, it's kind of a weird way of saying I'm rooting for you, Pope. What do you think about this segment? I like the way he ended it with good luck to both guys, but not to Matt Cardona. <laughs> Reminded me of a guy I went to high school with. He used to tell the stupid joke. Uh, what do uh what do a grape and a chicken have in common? They're both purple except for the chicken. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> exactly. Maybe so, that'll be on the future uh, Dad Joke Friday. If it would work. Here's my problem with this interview. Yeah. It was filmed, I'm assuming, at the tapings. Yeah. And the tapings took place before WrestleMania weekend. Yes. And so something that had happened in between was Cardona laying out Mickey James and then their tag team match at the impact show yeah and none of this gets brought up when all this is talking about it being personal it's like well, yeah i understand it's personal the guy attacked your wife but you can't talk about the fact that his wife was attacked because that hadn't happened yet and It's 
it shows a failing because the NWA is not able this scheduling that they have the NWA is not able to respond to events that happen in the wrestling world in any good way shape or form even with the last power trip where we saw two or three two title changes it's like they're not they can't even bring it up on the shows that are filming up until they do it so the cardona title change was literally like the week a week or two before the pay-per-view yeah so here we already here we already knew what was going on. We already knew what the main event was going to be. And we're not seeing it for four or five weeks on the, you know, on their own show. Yeah. So that's one of the flaws in their system. Overall, I mean, it was a good enough interview good enough promo and yeah we'll see i mean it didn't it didn't get me so excited that i couldn't wait to see a match there was nothing in the promo that made me go can't wait to pay money yeah and you know like the that's what the, the promos are there to separate me from my money You think it's a match, but no, really, it's a promo. The promo makes me want to see the match. If I assume they're both good wrestlers. But, uh, yeah, there was nothing in that promo that made say, I want to spend money. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm kind of with you on that. It it didn't drive any more interest in it for me. And, for everything you just said, um, the, the taping schedule, the fact that they can't incorporate what's happening in real time with what they filmed, you know. Again, Crockett Cup was March 20th, uh, 19th, 20th. The, were the, the week after that. So it's it's almost been a month, almost a month since Crockett Cup. And, you know, things are happening that they can't even account for. Uh, so I, that's always a bad model. And like I get the idea of shooting a bunch of matches and trying to weave things in to make it work, but with promos and things like that, you could do a promo from your garage. You can have a green screen with an NWA logo in the back. I just feel like some of these things should change. Uh, Sean Mega even says we need monthly teams. It's not so much that we need them; it's the NWA needs them. It hurts them. This convoluted idea that uh, oh, we're saving so much money by doing this quarterly pay-per-view and doing all these matches over the course of a four or five day period is a good idea on paper until you realize that uh, just because you're saving that money, you're losing out on keeping your product fresh. It feels very canned by the time stuff airs Uh, going back to, to, you know, uh, Anthony Mayweather winning the national title. I mean, we had two, two more episodes of NWA USA with Adonis talking about how he was the champion. And it just it, it loses that freshness. It, it doesn't feel as good. Um, and you know, sure, there's things they could do in post, but they don't. And I think that's a big thing. 
is that if you want to take matches, take matches. And if you want to take the interviews out there, that's great. But I mean, come in, bring them out once a month, your key top people and freshen up the interviews, the backstage interviews, so that it seems like, hey, you know, I'm going to talk about something else here real quick. Another thing that would help them is to, uh, AJ, resend Jaden the link. Uh, the other thing that would happen would be they move the crowd around a little bit during the tapings after each show because it's kind of noticeable. But like, you know, Santa is always kind of in the same spot. We're making other people in the same spot. This last taping, they had Green Guy, which. And Green Guy was always in kind of the same spot, which oddly, in one of those things they told me that the main event may not have been taped the same night as the rest of the show. In the main event, Santa was moved and Green Guy wasn't there. I think he was. I think he was, but I, you know, yeah. he wasn't. He wasn't in Green. And so, it's just kind of they do a lot of stuff that almost seems to intentionally make the show feel exactly what it is but then they pretend they pretend that that's not the way it is that this is a new week this is something different oh bob got injured last week and he's recovered so he's going to be in the match this week well bob got injured an hour ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it, it it makes it a little bit more difficult and of course um it hurts the product overall. Um, I, if, if there was some sort of way to kind of, um, that's what I'm looking for here, marry an opportunity of having these marathon television tapings blended in with the fresh stuff that's happening once a month. You don't have to give away the entire golden goose, but just having some of the, uh, some fresh and storylines and have matches just ready to go on TV that don't necessarily have to play into a big storyline. Look, uh, Tom Latimer wrestling Tim Storm works anytime, every time. There doesn't have to be a reason to do it. It just works. So, uh, Yeah, and I think also this is where we get what we talked about in the past, where the shows before the pay-per-view are just so plain filler. I mean, they do nothing to promote the pay-per-view. They do nothing to, you know, it's just like, well, we got to have some matches here, so here's stuff we take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would Luthez do, says, Marathon TV taping sucks for fan reactions as well. Crowd is worn out, rode hard, and put away wet. Sounds like my ex-wife. Um, <laughs> sorry, that made, I make myself laugh sometimes. Uh <laughs> Luthez was there for the St. Louis taping, so he kind of knows what he's talking about. I mean, I was there for the first uh, set of tapings for um, Power, and I'll tell you, after two nights of that, I was kind of done. I, it's hard for me to believe that they're doing pay-per-views and then three nights of tapings afterwards and expecting to have a hot crowd for that. Man, um, two nights of pay-per-views on this last one. Oh, so correct. Five straight nights of wrestling, 
I mean, of course, a lot of people did like you did. They showed up for the pay-per-view and took off. Yeah. But, yeah, for the ones that stuck around, especially if you stuck around for all five, I mean, if I was one of our fr- friends in the bearded trio, I would want to shoot myself. <laughs> you know, even, even if you're doing work backstage and even if you're doing stuff. Look, I did one event that lasted most of the day. And it was by the end of it, I was just like, damn, I'm tired. And like the next day I'm getting up and walking around, I'm going like, damn, I'm sore. And I didn't even take a freaking bump. Yeah. Because I'm walking here, walking there, calling, you know, uh, giving people their cue or whatever. And it's just like my legs are. Imagine being, imagine though, like being part of like the talent is part of that. Um, I helped Dr. Lauren Zirconium. It's not only physically demanding and physically draining, it's mentally draining too. For sure. That's and, why and you do it because there's no mental to drain with you. <laughs> oh, DK. <laughs> I'm so glad you finally got something funny to say. It only took you like, what, 12, 15 years now? And uh, just because you, you don't remember the last time after that pile driver does not mean it's been that long. All hey, right, I used to be six nine until that pile driver. So, and, and think of it this way too. We'll get right back to it. But most of those guys, they're not sleeping in their own beds. You know, they're they're going back to a hotel room. They're living a hotel life for like four or five days. That's not. It's not resting. It's not relaxing. They're not in the pool. You know, they have early call times. They're sitting there just waiting for something to happen. They're cutting promos or eating catering. It's not like it's not a glamorous lifestyle for sure. So. Uh, I was wondering when Jay knew that he knew they were in someone else's bed. <laughs> I miss those days a lot. It's like, Flair, Rick here, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so next up we get uh, the Dirty Sexy Boys versus the Commonwealth Connection. Now this is, I, I, I posted something on Twitter and I'm going to read it here because I just felt, I, I had I had enough. I've had enough of this. And it turns out there's a lot of people that kind of agree with me here um, because it's, it, it's, it's just, what can I say? Um, I don't like it. I'm tired of it. I don't think it's funny anymore. Um, you know, Velvet Sky has a ton of potential and I feel like commentary could be her thing because there's moments where I feel like she does a good enough job. Really? Um, there's there's sometimes she's okay, but then other times it's been just awful. A lot of times it's when she's bickering with Austin Idol. So I don't know if they're producing that kind of environment, if they're trying to do that, or if it's just that's how she reacts and they say, okay, that's fine. But on this episode... Based on today, I'd say they're producing it. I think so too, but on this episode, I, it really got to me, and it was uh, she was going on and on about Dango, and it was so uncomfortable. I think the kids these days say that she was thirsty, um, but give that woman a soda or something to get her to shut up because she just kept going on and on. And if a male announcer spoke about a female talent the same way that Velvet Sky on commentary was talking about Dirty Dango, well. I think that announcer would be canceled. So if she did this on her own, it's time to go. 
Get somebody else in there that's not going to do that. Or if she's being directed to do that, stop that shit. It's not funny. It's not entertaining. And it takes away from the product. You had two really good tag teams in this match. The, the Commonwealth Connection and the Dirty Sexy Boys. And I know the Dirty Sexy Boys are a silly gimmick and all that. But let's not take away the fact that Dango and JTG can wrestle. They can have good matches. And I would love to hear Austin Idol call this match with Joe Galley. Instead of having Velvet Sky uh, pander to Dirty Dango and, oh, baby, shake those hips, all this, all that. Jesus. Knock it off. It's dumb. It's redundant. How is that any better than Jerry the King Lawler calling out for puppies back in the Attitude Era? They don't do that anymore in the WWE. They shouldn't be doing this shit in the NWA. I just, this was stupid. And again, if you're Velvet Sky and you're doing this on your own, just get rid of her. If she's being produced, if she's being directed, if someone's telling her to be like that, knock it off. Yeah, that was... The J-Cal impersonation of DK. I wasn't impersonating. That's from the heart. Uh, what would Luthez do says that that was so phony and repetitive. Agreed. Sean Mega says she's probably told to do that. Look, if, they, if the plan is to pull her out of the booth to manage the dirty sexy boys, then do it. Pull the trigger. Now's the time. Let's not. Let's Dango not. retire? He's a weird dude, man. <laughs> He's a weird dude. And that's fine. Let him retire. She can manage JTG. Um, he, he was taking a couple of months off forever or something like that. Or was taking retiring forever for a couple of months. I don't remember his phraseology. Something uh, stupid. Look, we, we all remember uh, Terry Funk announcing his retirement and then being in the ring like six months later. Uh, I, I don't know that most wrestling talents retire. They think they just stop getting booked. Um but in this one, again, Velvet's fascination of Dango made me uncomfortable. It just, I, it was hard for me to even enjoy the match. Uh, but the match itself was pretty back and forth. Uh, Davey and Doug are so good, and they've only had a handful of matches working together. It seems like they've been teaming for a lot longer than that. Um, <laughs> I, I did like the fact when Tim asked uh, the proper question is, if, a, if an Englishman does a European uppercut, is it just called an uppercut? I thought that was funny. Um, in this match, you had uh, uh, Harry working more of a heel. I said Davey earlier. I meant Harry, excuse me. Uh, Harry was working uh, more like a heel in this match, which is kind of interesting to me because, again, every, everywhere else he's kind of being portrayed as a face. But in this match where you had two face teams going against each other, Harry kind of was working more of a heel style. Um, and then... Uh, so, yeah, the match kind of went back and forth. I, most of my notes are complaining about how Velvet was ruining the match. Um, Doug for, Doug Williams forces Dango to tap, and that was pretty much it. Uh, DK, what did you think of this one? Well, once I hit the mute button, I liked it a lot better. And that's not even a joke. That's what's sad. Uh, you know, the match is okay. I like watching. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. The Commonwealth Connection. Uh, Billy's one of those people that likes face versus face and heel versus heel, and we'll see that again on the show. And I don't get it again. The idea is to get emotionally attached, and it's hard to get emotionally attached when you're constantly in flux. You know, 
uh, why did why is Buzz Sawyer versus Tommy Rich considered one of the top feuds ever? Why is Freebird versus Von Erich considered one of the top feuds ever? Why is Ric Flair versus Dusty Rose considered one of the top feuds ever? Because you had that dynamic, you had the thing. You, it, it didn't matter if you liked Ric Flair or you liked the Freebirds or whatever. You still hated them. And so it's, I don't know. Seems like it'll be Booking 101, but maybe I'm wrong these days because I'm old and cranky and out of touch. And uh, the thing with Bell, it's just, I mean, it's disgusting, but not just because it's being done and there's not a need for it. You know, it doesn't get the team over more. It doesn't get Velvet over more. There's Nobody comes out looking better for it. So why do it? I don't know. Jaden, what am I missing in this? What have I lost in the wrestling world that this type of shit is done. Are you Jane, on are you there? Uh, I guess he's not there. Um, well, I'm talking to him. Well, I wanted to hear his answer too because, you know, uh, Jaden has uh, experience helping out with wrestling promotions and he's a knowledgeable dude, so um, I do see some comments. Uh, Luthez says too many head cases uh, hired by the NWA, and uh, and uh, Sean Megas says Dango is a solid talent minus the foolishness, which I also agree. Um, and then Sean Megas says, do you give Harry the slow buildup or pump him up fast? I mean. Let's get back to that in a second, Jaden. How do you feel about uh, a the, the velvet on commentary when she's um, pandering to uh, to the dirty, sexy boys and pandering? She's lusting, lusting. All right. How do you feel um, about? That? Honestly, I think it's stupid. Uh, yes, you were one hundred percent right. If this was Jerry the King Lawler, if this was a male. Going after a female, they would be canceled at the moment. Um, it doesn't add to anything. The I guess the theories are trying to get off Dirty Dango as sexy, and Velvet Sky, who is an attractive woman, is lusting after him as part of the appeal, I guess, what they're trying to hope for. Honestly, I just think it's what happens when you have somebody who doesn't know how to run a wrestling promotion, doesn't know about basics, doesn't know about storytelling. Um, I once equated modern wrestling to skipping to the last chapter of the book and not reading any of it. And then the last chapter is unfortunately not about anything the book's about. It's instead about a, a uh, acid trip of watching the wizard of Oz in Klingon or something like that. That's the, that's what I equate modern wrestling booking to be. There's, I don't have a teleporter. I don't have instant transmission. When I need to go somewhere, I have to get from point A to point B to point C, point D. But if you're writing a book, you know, there's usually a beginning of a chapter one, a chapter two, a chapter three. But unfortunately, wrestling promotions and wrestling promoters nowadays, they're just not even 
trying to put any kind of build or consistency or anything into it. They just literally jumped right to the end and try to give you some big clusterfuck that they think is something because they saw it on Jerry Springer. They saw it on the Attitude Era in the opening match that wasn't going to draw anything or because they see 20 billion indies do it because they don't know any better. Or they get or air blow in my throat, or they see an executive vice president decide to do everything wrong to get themselves over in um, the, to the detriment of their company they're working for and think that's a good idea. Uh, it's just basically bad understanding of what professional wrestling is. Re- professional wrestling is modern-day gladiatorial I- events, basically. The old days, the gladiators used to fight in the, in the big coliseum to try to keep the masses entertained so they didn't know that they were being screwed by the the um, whoever was in charge of the Roman Empire or whatever happened, wherever part of the Colosseums were. Professional wrestling is the same thing. It's, it's an escape from reality, but it needs to be reality enough. Uh, even Star Wars, even Battlestar Galactica, even Lord of the Rings has some kind of basis in some kind of reality with a a world that's built. And there is no world building in professional wrestling. It's not even character building in professional wrestling. It's just, let's put together the stupidest stunt we could possibly do. Let's take Evil Knievel and try to do something to try to see if he'll die or if he'll go over that giant gorge on that motorcycle. Try to do the most low brow, low quality for the lowest common denominator thing just to try to grab some attention. You know what grabs lots of attention? Watching animals fuck on the side of the road. You know what also grabs a lot of attention? Watching a really bad accident where a bunch of people are laying in the middle of the street. That grabs a lot of attention. But you know what? That isn't exactly positive attention, and that's not attention that you could build on to try to... Are you going to watch it? Uh, I, I like watching people get hurt. I like watching videos of people doing stupid things, but I he does. I do it as a, yeah, and I do it. I enjoy watching that a lot, but I don't think that if I could find that one stupid person getting hurt over and over and over again, it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me, and that's why Jackass never appealed to me. It's funny when you do it once, if you continually do it, and then it's insanity, and that's what professional wrestling has become. It's not a story. It's not. Oh, distraction. It's not a way to get aggressions out in the masses. It's just a bunch of insanity that has no rhyme or reason behind it. I bet you didn't want all that word salad there, but that's my opinion. No, I think that's that's what we wanted, actually. Um, uh, it's it. Something like this takes away from a, what would have been a pretty good match. And I think it's, you know, with everything that you said about you know, with pro wrestling in general, these kind of things do more to hurt the wrestling promotion than help. And uh, it just, it doesn't, it's not a good look for anybody. I actually was uh, on a social media uh, moderation page trying to see what the uh, audience demographic is for the NWA. I'm sure it's a majority of males, but I'm sure that I know they have a female following as well. And I was just curious to see if, if there was any kind of ratios of what the man to woman ratio is of the viewers, maybe helping to, you know, do they feel like they need to do this to appease a, the woman audience or, or, you know, I just don't get why they continue to do this. So we'll, we'll move on to the next topic. Uh, 
the match itself uh, I felt was good, but it was hard. Like I said, it's hard to get into. Um, DK, what did you think of the matchup itself? Oh, which matchup are we talking about now? Sorry, uh, the Commonwealth Connection and uh, and uh, the Dirty Sexy Boys. Well, yeah, like I said, once I muted the show, the match was fine. Uh, right okay. team won. So then next up, uh, we get Natalia Markova versus Killian King. Um, or Killian King. I think I said it wrong. Uh, this is King's return to the NWA. I was really looking forward to this match because Markova has been killing it on USA. She has become one of my favorite wrestlers on the show. She's so aggressive in the ring. Uh, she she's, she is a total heel. She doesn't try to play baby face. She doesn't try to play up to the crowd at all. She's 100% heel, so I really do find that uh, fun to watch. You know, She's not trying to be a tweener. She's not trying to be cool. She's just out there being like this lethal Russian assassin, and it's awesome. Um, the match is very competitive. It's very snug. A couple of kicks there, a couple of strikes. I mean, it looked like they were connecting full on. I don't, I don't even think they had time to pull some of those punches. Um, everything to me looked very crisp in this match. Uh, King gets the win. Surprisingly, I was kind of surprised because uh, I know it was her return to the NWA, but Markova had been very dominant on USA. Uh, so so um, King wins with like a pump handle driver. They call the Excala driver. I thought it was a really good match. But I still think Markova should have gone over. Uh, DK, what did you think of this one? Uh, I have mixed feelings about it. I thought the match in general was pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed it up to the point where I felt like they were doing too many near falls. Uh, too many... And I don't think it would have been as bad if the commentators wouldn't have kept saying, this is it. This has got to be it. And I think that kind of kind of kills it. It's one thing if you go, hey, they go for a pin and they kicked out. But it's like, this has got to be it. This got Well, after the third time you've said it and they kicked out, it loses <laughs> its, you know, it loses its thing when you're in time 23, as it seemed to be with this match. You know, it's almost time to hit the mute button again. Right. I didn't mind the result if this had just been a match that took place on power. I didn't like the result because basically they've been putting Markova over so strongly on USA that it was almost like a finger to USA. Here's one of your top Performers, here's one of your top wrestlers now where you got them on the big show and they lose. So it was one of those things that had me scratching my head just a little bit. I mean, they could have put King against, again, somebody else. Hell, even genocide, which, you know, maybe you don't want to see her lose, but I would rather have seen her lose than Markova, really, at this point. I, I agree with that. And I like genocide a lot too. And there's a lot of talent that they have currently that could have been that fodder. You know, they, they debuted, uh, 
oh, I can't remember her name, but there's a gal that debuted on USA not too long ago. I think you keep Maddie strong because she's had some good outings, especially against uh, Camille. Uh, I think you keep Genocide strong because, again, she's had some good outings. Uh, but there's plenty of women on that roster that could have, you know, bit the bullet for killing King could have done the job and it, it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have hurt their reputation. It wouldn't have hurt anything. Um, well, if the, if the idea was to put King over, it probably would have been better than to give her somebody that you can believe would be competitive to a point, but she still dominated most of the match. Instead, you kind of put her in this highly competitive match against one of your stronger booked people, and then she wins one, two, three, and okay, yay, good for King. You know, maybe she's going to be the person facing Camille at, you know, Power Trip, or knowing them, it'll, you know, be the Duchess from some other promotion. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm afraid by listening to you guys that what they're going to do now is the, um, uh, the 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 backstage interviewer, what's her name? May. May. May, yeah. Now May is going to say something about her losing, and that's going to set up a match between May and Markova now. And uh, if you guys want to see that? I really don't. I I don't. I'm not even that big fan of Markova. She's okay. Uh, I don't want to see her versus May. I don't. Even, I semi tolerate May. She, uh, especially now that I understand she doesn't speak English, it makes more sense what she's going on. No, she, no, she speaks English. <laughs> That's her second language, but she speaks English. Or third. Or fourth. Sure. And, and that, in fact, uh, Jane, they already kind of built to a match that didn't really happen with May and uh, and Markova. I think the, the – I, I think hopefully if they're going to continue with this storyline, maybe it's Markova gets the victory over King on USA to balance it out. Or – uh, that King goes back and just has another dominant match against somebody else, maybe Genocide or, or you know, I, I don't want to say Kenzie Page because she's already wrestled her enough times, but, you know, maybe she gets a victory over one of the Hex or something along those lines. Uh, and, you know, and then that way you have a couple of people built up for Camille. Um, I do want to point out earlier that um, Dave Scooby said, uh, no, Melina at this set of tapings can't say that I missed her. And, uh, I just wanted to point that out that there maybe the women's division is a little bit different than what it was in the past. Sean Mega says that he thought that King looked great. I thought she looked great too. Don't get me wrong. I thought this was a really good match. Surprising to me though, that they just hadn't her go over Markova. Um, and again, to what uh, DKM just said uh, with her winning, it puts her over because she beat one of the top talents, but, it's kind of like, well, I guess that all that that Markova has just done in the last, you know, two seasons of USA is almost meaningless because they just fed her to the next big thing that came to the show. Uh, getting back to the the show itself, you have Mims in the back with May. This was kind of a weird interview, and I could have done without it to be honest. Uh, I, I don't know if Mims was trying to be funny or satirical or what. Um, he's talking about, you know, hey, have I, May, did I show you my guns? Starts flexing the gun show, and uh, Mims says that he wants to throw his name into the body slam challenge. 
Uh, he calls Sion a dork, which I did laugh at. Um, and he said that, uh, you know, he almost had, uh, he almost had, uh, uh, Tyrus ready for to be slammed at, um, power trip one. So he thinks he could slam him. Um, DK, what'd you think of this a segment? When did he become a heel? Yeah, I thought that too. Uh, it was t- stupid. Well, it didn't do anything for Mims. It doesn't make you want to cheer him. No. And the more important thing is now he's got a body slam challenge coming up against Tyrus, and you're almost more ready to root for Tyrus because Mims is mm. a jerk. I don't think I'd ever be ready to root for Tyrus, but okay. <laughs> well, it, in a, look, the only person that's a bigger critic of Tyrus than me is Willie, Willie in the chat. <laughs> and but this is just one of those you know what the hell are you guys thinking I mean he's gone from being like a Pope uh, protege to being an Austin Idol protege yeah you know and, 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 and his little shoot bang bang or shoot shoot or tick tick or whatever while he was you know, let's be honest, didn't even look that good when he was flexing. Uh, and I know May's tall, but he almost looks short. Uh, Sean Mega says that Mims will get better with time. He's still new at cutting promos. And that's and, and, and I could I could relate to that. It's just that the promo itself was definitely more a derivative of a heel promo than a face promo. And I think that's counterintuitive because Mims has been like the baby face of the show since day one. Um, And I I think that's the whole thing. I mean, one of my favorite NWA words or phrases, I guess, two words, in isolation, promo was fine. Yeah. If Mims had had been presented as a heel, if he had had a turn, if he had, you know, whatever, you would sit there and, and he was talking about challenging Nick Aldis or Pope or somebody like that, then you would sit there and go, hey, you know, not bad. But if the idea is that he's going to challenge an unpopular champion for a body slam, I should want to see him body slam him. Instead, I'm just like going, oh, God, no. Listening to the both of you, um, I, it's no secret that I'm a hockey fan and I'm a big fan of the New Jersey Devils. And whenever the the New York Rangers play the Philadelphia Flyers, people ask me who I cheer for, and I said I cheer for the building to collapse. <laughs> that's kind of the same thing that sounds like with you. I just kind of cheer for you know the ring to to implode and and get them off my television screen. Yeah, this this wasn't the best segment. And then I, I just want to interrupt because I just saw something on Twitter. Um, yeah, I, I kind of browse Twitter to see if there's any late breaking news that we can include in this show. And I saw this tweet and I just needed to bring it up because, um, it's just, this, this kind of says everything you need to know about the booking for the NWA, because we had Scion for weeks trying to, you know, get a shot at the TV title and Tyrus. And now we have a tweet that shows you got it blocked. 
Oh, it's blocked. Oh, let me. You don't in the front. All right, that's my bad. I can try to fix that. That he w- <laughs> he wants us more than you do. He wants the national title. <laughs> Wait. That's that's not the TV title, dude. Can someone tell Tyrus that that? Excuse me. Can someone tell Sion that that's not the TV title? That that's the national title? What is he talking about here? What's going on? <sighs> sorry, I just I I had to. Sorry, sorry guys, I had to share that because uh, it uh, honestly just frustrated me. And DK's frozen. Oh, now you're unfrozen. Okay, so. Um, Sorry, I just saw that and it. I needed to vent. Um, okay, so so Mims apparently is going to challenge Tyrus at some point down the road to another body slam challenge. Um, I think I missed a promo here, but then uh, we have Austin Idol backstage with. Um, I don't remember who he's backstage with. I think it was Kyle Davis. Now I don't remember. I didn't write it down. And uh, yeah, it was Kyle. Basically, he admits that uh, he, in fact, is Scion's father. All the buildup. Oh boy! Is this um? Is this all right? When I was younger, I'm, I always had nieces and nephews that are close to my same age. Like, um, did you know, Scion know that that was his father? Probably not. But <laughs> the um. I used to listen to my nieces play and they would make up these stories based on whatever movie they happened to love at the time. And they would just randomly say this most unusual crap back and forth. And they were playing and they were making up stories based on Buffy, the vampire slayer or or anything that was popular at the time. And that's kind of reminds me of how the NWA is booking their wrestling right now. They just say whatever happens bullshit. They just happen to make up with a bunch of people that just, never really make a story. They're just making things up right off the top of their head and not planning this out. The 20 year plan right now, maybe the 20 year plan is should be to get somebody who knows how to book wrestling. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, <laughs> uh, Sean Mega has a good question or a good statement. Uh, just some ass sign on the column, Robert idol. I mean, that might work. Uh, Dodie says, I thought Simon's father was Santa Ball. You know, I thought his father was Kevin Douglas. So, um, I guess I'm not convinced all... that's not. <laughs> I, I want a DNA test before I'm willing to uh, confirm or deny these allegations. Um, but next up, we get La Rebellion in the back with Kyle Davis, and it's Mecha Wolf and Bestia Seis calling out the Briscoes. Now, this is what I'm talking about. We were talking about it earlier. DKM said that this would be the main event match on just about any NWA card. I have to agree. If you like tag team wrestling, especially high impact tag team wrestling, I don't know that there's a better match than this one. Um, They say that the tag team titles are the most prestigious tag team championships, that they reinvented the NWA tag team division when they got here. Um, They're the best tag team and they feel the Briscoes are afraid to face them. Obviously, this would be the feather in a cap for any tag team, but the Briscoes, who've held the tag team titles in Ring of Honor for so long and have held tag titles in Game Changer Wrestling and CZW and the uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles, uh, if you look through their cage match bio, they've held pretty much every major tag team title on the independent wrestling scene. Uh, This match is certainly going to be a draw if and when it happens. Uh, I love the promo. I love the passion. 
Uh, DK, what did you think? Yeah, this is what you're supposed to do. They went out. They put over the titles they hold. They put over themselves as champions. In a way, they put over the Briscoes as challengers, noting that, you know, they had won other titles other places and stuff like that. But that the Briscoes were, you know, here are these champions of of all these other promotions are actually scared of them. And, you know, now, now I want to see this. Well, actually, I want to see it beforehand, but you know what I mean. If you're just somebody watching there, they, they ticked all the boxes in a good way. Kevin probably would have been happy that he wasn't talking in a normal voice. <laughs> Although he wasn't too far off of it, actually. And, you know, look, just it's it's an exciting concept. It's an exciting match. It's one we all want to see. So, and if you don't want to see it, you're not a wrestling fan. At least not a tag team wrestling fan. Well, Billy's not a tag team wrestling fan. That he's a tag team wrestling fan. He's like he's a fan of breaking them up. <laughs> so, yeah. Good job. Jaden, is that a match you'd want to see? If you were if you were booking the NWA, is that a title match you would book? Yes, but it's because of the Briscoes. Um, I do like Mecca Wolf and, and Bestia Sesses, but they're good champions and they need good wins. And this would either be a good win or a good, ch- good chance to put the tag team championships on a tag team that's a lot more recognized as a top team. For sure. So either way, it's good for the NWA and good for the NWA tag team championships, good for the belts themselves. And it's could put some major spotlight. Uh, Bestia 666 is well known in Mexico and he's a second generation wrestler. Mecha Wolf less so, even though I've known of him for quite some time and I've always saw him as a talented wrestler. Um, but they're not really considered the elite right now. They're considered a makeshift combination kind of for the NWA, even though I know they've been teaming in, in Mexico. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, I think it's been a great win and I hope to see it. And hopefully that means I get, honestly, I really want them to win. Cause I want to see them against Davey boy. I'm sorry, uh, Harry and Doug Williams. Again, I think that's the match that if done right, can really put the NWA tie team championship on the mat. I think uh, you kind of hit some good points there. Um, if the NWA has an opportunity to continue to work with the Briscoes after these tapings, um, then yeah, yeah, I think now's the time you pull the trigger on that. If not, it's still a win-win situation because if Bestia and Mecha Wolf go over, then they they look great. You just beat the Briscoes. You are the best damn tag team. And if the Briscoes win, okay. You have a plan with the Briscoes. Awesome. It's like a win-win. Uh, it's a win-win equation here. There's no wrong answer. Um, obviously, I think if you can use the Briscoes for as long as you can, you should. And if you're if you're not going to have uh, an opportunity to, to continue to book them, let's say they are signed by some other organization, then by all means, uh, them putting over uh, La Rebellion helps their credibility. So I think it's a win-win all the way. Um and uh, Sean Mega has a question that's just for me, and he says, 
would you be mad if the Briscoes lose in other promotions like Cardona? This question is for Jay. And I think he means if they're the tag team champions. It, it just depends on how it's presented. Um, if the Briscoes are, let's facing, uh, well, okay, let's make it similar. If they're facing the United Wrestling Network Tag Team Champions Midnight Heat, and let's say it's in uh, the wrestling promotion Defy, uh, that is not connected to the United Wrestling Network, it's not connected to the NWA. If the Briscoes lose to Midnight Heat, then I think that makes them look weaker as champions. They're the tag team champions, and it's a rival wrestling promotion that you're losing to their champions. So I don't know if I if that's a good move. Uh, and then, and then I see here that Dave Scooby says uh, Briscoes will be at the next Impact taping. So that's uh, it's another reason why I wouldn't necessarily put the titles on them. I mean, we already have uh, booking problems with, say, uh, having the OGK uh, appear on your shows. You're having issues with getting the card uh, Matt Cardona on those shows. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would want to put the belts on a team that is not going to be a hundred percent committed to me and me first. If there's a way that if that's written into their contract with uh, impact that, Hey, impact gets all bookings after the NWA, then sure. Okay. Let's do it. But if not, it, I think that can be problematic. Look, we were, were we talking about this on air or off air. It was on air. It was in the yeah. first hour. I was going to say, it's, I feel like we just had this conversation, but yeah, I mean, Basically, what you want is you'd want your world champions, your four major world champions. I'm not going to count the TV title of this, but your or five, I guess, if you count the women's tag team. Uh, but certainly the women's, the tag team, the junior heavyweight and heavyweight, you would want to put those titles on people who their number one priority is the promotion they're the champion of. Yeah. Now, you know, Problem Cardona is he's a belt collector, which I'm sorry, it doesn't have much meaning when you can, you know, win seven belts in one state and uh, and three of them in one promotion. And uh, he didn't do that, but I've known others that have. And uh, it's just you, you don't you don't want your world champions out there losing. In other promotions. I mean, that's simple. There's a trope in wrestling now of the forbidden door. And hey, the forbidden door doesn't mean anything because wrestlers can wrestle pretty much anywhere now. The exception are the WWE wrestlers. But I don't know. I just liked it better when every promotion had their talent signed and there was a bunch of decent size promotions and they all had their own individual talent and you only saw them in there. Uh, why pay for the CM pay-per-view? Why pay to see them on a house show when you can pay a lot less money at a local wrestling event to see the same wrestler? Um, how special is Cardona if he works for Impact, if he works for Game Changer, if he works for NWA and he works for any promotion that will pay for him? He's not a champion. He's not a, pro a proprietary wrestler he's a whore trying to make money and i can't at all hold that against him but that's not what the nwa champion was the nwa champion should be the biggest end-all be-all of anybody's goals and accomplishments 
And the only time you ever win a winner championship is if you're looking to unify it into the NWA championship. Uh, I mean, also one of his seven belts is the belt he made up himself, the internet <laughs> belt. Does that really count? He counts. You know? I get you. I agree. I've oh, been to wrestling conventions where people, there's fans with 19 belts on them walking around the ring like they won every one of them. And I think I'm a firm believer. If you walk around with a belt on, you should be able to defend it. DK, I'm coming for you. But uh, you come on, old man. <laughs> I'm younger than you by 10 years. Yeah, but my my knees may be shot, but my uh, neck's in better shape. So <laughs> my knees are shot, too. So I'm really all screwed up. But I got to cheat better. Anyway, um, yeah, I think if you walk around Maybe. with a belt, you should be able to defend it. But still, this is a made-up belt. It's no I, different I than know. the guys that start their own promotion that are like 300 pounds with a beer gut hanging out of their T-shirt and their uh, their New Balance sneakers and their um, their secondhand wrestling tights that don't even fit them putting a replica belt on themselves and walking around calling themselves champion. That's what it makes me think. First of all, I only weigh 250, Jaden. Thank you very much. Um, uh, let's get back to the show, though, because I we I didn't want to go super late tonight. Uh, next up, we have May uh, in the back with Aaron Stevens. Uh, this is kind of a weird interview. They said the full video will be released Monday. This is kind of more akin to the first season of Power where they did silly stuff like this, but Stevens kind of pulls it off. I know that uh, I'm not always a fan of everything Stevens does, but this I think could be interesting. Uh, he shifts between being the actor and the wrestler and, and being happy and sad. And with every shift, he has like this tick where he puts his hand in front of his face. Uh, but it, it's, it's apparent that he's having some sort of mental breakdown um, as he shifts through those personalities um, and he's not even aware that he's doing this thing where he changes character. Uh, May calls him out on it, and he's like, has no idea what he's talking, what she's talking about. So I thought that was kind of a fun uh, little segment. Uh, DK, I know you saw it. What'd you think? Uh, first of all, it's an old acting trope. Yeah. The, the idea is you clear your face yeah. and your mind and your thought to get into the new character. So, yeah, I don't know. Oh, by the way, Scarnet. We still think about you, Kevin. Uh, outside of occasionally, outside of that, the interview was weird. I think the only person that had an interview like this and it be even slightly successful is is probably Aaron Stevens. Yeah, I, I, I'll say I did not hate it. I will say I did not love it. That's fair. Uh, let's move on to the next segment. Um, getting lost here. Uh, next hey, up, we Daddy have. wants to know if uh, Jaden Sion's father. I am not Sion's father. Um, even though I did have a lot of fun around that area of the country back when I used to wrestle. So, you know, maybe it's possible. Now, that's two allegations that uh, a former personality from this podcast a personality from this podcast might have been the father I, I can, promise, I can promise you that much it's not me it's not me we're too close in age I always thought it was Fred Rubenstein personally but I think that's who Therion's father is it's because he likes controversy so much 
I, I can see it being Fred. I just don't want to visualize Fred in that way. Well, nobody does. Maybe it's why. But anyway. Next up, we got the Fixers with Colby Carino, who are over like Rover in Nashville, versus the Miserably Faithful. Interesting name. Not such a fun uh, entourage here. This is the stuff that I don't necessarily want to see on my TV. Um, I I don't get it. Um, you're putting Sour and Aro, who even as a face was just barely passable to my smell test. You put uh, Judeus, who I think would be a lot more interesting if they just did something more relative with him. And then you put them with uh, Gags the Gimp. Yes, there is a S&M Gimp running around the halls of the NWA, and I just don't know how I feel about that. Yes, I do. It's awful. Um, and they're taking on the team of the Fixers with Colby Carino. Uh, we were just talking about how good of a heel Colby was earlier on USA. You know, he he, he did the callback, Jane. I, I don't know if you heard us talking about it, but he called back to when he was at uh, uh, World One uh, challenging Craig Classic for the for the junior heavyweight championship. And the night before he was at a dangerous adrenaline wrestling gladiator show teaming with Roxy cotton. Uh, I'm sure he would have rather been in either one of those places than in this match. Cause it was just God awful. Um, you know, I do, I I'm a big fixtures guy. I said it earlier in the show. They're my choice to win the Crockett cup. Um, Colby Carino's growing on me. I don't know what they did to, to piss off Billy or anybody in the NWA front office to have this hot garbage of a match. Uh, but essentially it comes down to the, the miserables, um, splitting up the ring, it was smart tag team wrestling. Uh, it's divide and conquer and Carino's the one getting conquered. Uh, he makes a tag, a hot tag to wrecking ball, but it really doesn't do much in the end. They get Carino back in the ring and, and, uh, it's just, I don't know. They choke slam Jay Bradley for the win. Uh, and, uh, little gimps is the one that covered him for the one, two, three. So the one act that gets over naturally that we actually want to see get promoted and, and, and booked well, you know, not a complete joke that the fans put over because they're they smoke too much marijuana. Uh, or not enough. Or not enough. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe they need more of it. So we actually have an act that we care about, and then they put them over with a gimp. Yeah. Um, I they think put over maybe, a gimp. Oh yeah, they, he's they're losing to a gimp. I think Billy Corgan is spent way too many times in way too many Smashing Pumpkins concerts. I guess that's how the fans dress there. I assume I don't know. Uh, you know, never really been a fan of his music, but it sounds stupid. And it's why again you have something that's organically and naturally getting over. So apparently they must not have wanted it that way. So they're gonna fuck him over. And put them over with a stupid thing that they came with, this brilliant idea they came up with. Yeah. Um, my camera went off at a good time because I don't want you to see my face right now. Um, DK, what were your thoughts on this one? Oh, my, my, my. So let's take a look at Power and USA together. We've had Magic Carpets. We've had Velvet Thirsting 
after a wrestler. We've had bad promos. We've killed momentum for a person we were building up. We have a team that's been over with the fans losing in both shows with each member taking the pinfall. We can't even blame one of them. And not Colby. But Colby needed a foreign object to beat a 72-year-old man. (laughs) And I'm supposed to give a fuck about this product? Now, you're bringing out some S&M guy that I don't know, around the same size as Sal. I couldn't really tell. Someone tell me who this guy is in real life because I want to make sure he never gets booked here in Texas. I, The Gimp. Really? In today's age, people tell me all the time about modern wrestling. You guys, you all guys don't get modern wrestling. We have cancel culture. You said something that we didn't agree with 14 years ago when you were 12. And now you can't be on a wrestling show ever again. Hey, but a gimp's okay. Gaggles the gimp or giggles the gimp or whatever the hell his name is. Billy Corgan stop snorting coke. Or start. <laughs> Whichever state you were in <laughs> when you either came up with this stupid idea or let Sinister Minister talk you into this stupid idea, go the reverse. This is absolute bullshit. I'm going to lose our PG-13 ranking worse than Jaden did. Fuck you guys. <laughs> That's hard to beat. You know, fuck you guys for even coming up with this. I just... God. You are fucking morons. I don't know if Jay was around when wrestling, when they, California had a promotion called the Incredibly Strange Wrestling. And it, yeah, that was that was uh, finishing up. But it wasn't just California. They toured like everywhere. But yeah, go ahead. I know they were a California-based company because that's when I first started seeing them mentioned in the Observer of all places. They had Harley Racist and the Ku Klux Clowns. And um, those Harley were some racist. of the more... Those were some of the more normal gimmicks that they actually came up with. And I think Billy Corgan must have spent a lot of time at that promotion coming up with wrestling ideas. Um, I can't understand how he said he grew up watching Chicago wrestling with Bob Luce and how he saw watched the, um, the Jim Crockett promotions and fell in love with wrestling then and then put on this bullshit that he's putting on now. What, do you, well, what was he? Good. Uh, somebody uh, shared a picture of Lasertron and said, "This is the opposite of uh, the Gimp." 
I don't. I retweeted it, but I don't know where it's at. I'm trying to find it right now. Uh, NWA history. Our pal Hisa said Gags the Gimp, who debuted on NWA Power uh, Season Eight, Episode Four, is basically an evil version of former World Junior Heavyweight Champion Lasertron. I like that. I thought that was funny. It's kind of like how Eddie know. Gilbert made his brother the Dark Patriot, right? There you go. I say we just... I don't know. I, I don't do drugs and I don't drink, but I'm thinking about starting after this. <laughs> if you don't, start. If you start, don't. <laughs> yeah. if, if you're using, stop. If you're not, start, yes. That, that was awesome. Uh, real quick, I'm going to try to share this again. Uh, there we go. Gags the Gimp, who debuted on NWA Power Season 8, Episode 4, is basically an evil version of a former world junior heavyweight champion, Lasertron. Wasn't there like another Lasertron-type game that wasn't Lasertron that was around that time? Shouldn't that be the like, evil version of Lasertron? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. And wouldn't like the GoBox be like an alternate version of Lasertron? Or maybe a tra- maybe the Transformers. There was I know which one you're talking about, and it's taking the show in a totally different direction. But there was a show that interacted with your toy, your gun, yes. and you would shoot it at the TV, and it would shoot back at you, and it was mixed up with other, like like GI Joe sized figurines. I remember that, but I I wasn't rich enough for those kind of things. Plus, I had real friends, so I I didn't have to. Um... Anyways. <laughs> uh, Let's get to the next segment. Uh, we get Genocide in the back. Uh, she's with May, Valentine, and Genocide. Simply states she doesn't need Taryn or Paola. She's her own woman. She did the heavy lifting to get here. She gave up her championship series golden ticket for a tag match with Paola, who dropped the ball. She didn't need Taryn Terrell. She doesn't need Paola Blaze. She just needs herself. And going forward, she's only looking out for herself. Really good promo from uh, Genocide. You don't really hear her talk a whole lot. And uh, I, I'm excited to see. Well, that's a nice belt you got there. Um, I'm Just excited to see. Plays are drawn. Yeah, the, I like it. Um, I'm excited to see what's next for Genocide. Uh, DK, what did you think of her promo? I like that she didn't have her entire face covered with makeup. And I think that this could be a start of maybe more normalizing her. I'm not saying I wouldn't want her to wear no makeup. The character kind of fits makeup, you know, character. But, yeah, it, if you start normalizing her a little bit, a little less gimmicky, a little more, because you pointed out before that she actually wrestles pretty well. Yeah, she's good. And, uh, you know, Kevin said, but that doesn't fit the character. And I got what Kevin was saying. I just prefer people who wrestle more. So if they if they tone her down to not be a robot, space robot, and get her more just to be a, a Sting or some kind of wrestler that just happens to paint their face, then I think that you really have a chance to develop her in a way that fans would take seriously. And, you know, she's somebody that 
can realistically take on Camille's. She's already done it once. They had a good match. So, you know, feed her the feed her the enhancements and then get her a big win over somebody. And, you know, make us want to see her and Camille again. Yeah, exactly. I mean That's I mean look at, at at this point, I'm ready for Camille to be champion for the next five years. And so I'm not saying I'm ready to take the title off her or I think they should put the title on genocide. But I think you can at least put her in a thing where she can be where I would want to say I would want to, you know, part with my money to see that match. So, you know. Uh, just just then, breaking news. Uh, DKM has to defend that championship against the Gimp now next week on the Alliance Guys podcast. I'll see what I can do to get him on. Please. Uh, uh, okay, so then that brings us to the main event. And it honestly, between the Natalia Markova and Killian King match, this was the other bright spot for me. This is probably the brightest spot for me that I've seen since Power's been back. This was a super competitive match. It was fun. It had action. It had everything you'd want in a world title match. And it's not every week you get a, a world title match on power. It's happened like three times in, in three years. So for this match, it was a pretty big deal. And you had Cardona versus the Pope. Pope is the guy that we all agree has all the tools to be world's heavyweight champion. Um, there was a lot of buzz surrounding this match, even though it, it was already taped. Everyone knew the end result. But I heard a lot of people when I say here, I mean on social media, you see a lot of people excited about this match. There are a lot of tweets and retweets from the Pope. You could see it on Instagram. You saw it on Twitter. You saw it on Facebook. A lot of people were excited about this match, and I ultimately feel that this match delivered. Um, sure, I wasn't happy with the result. I wanted Pope to win the title, but uh, it was a very good match. Uh, there was heel tactics, but not really cheating. Uh, there was no run-ins from VSK or or any uh, Mike Knox or Chelsea Green. There was no Cardona's in sight except for Matt inside the ring. And I felt like this was a very good match that showcased both of them. I feel like Matt Cardona got something out of this victory. He This was the most competitive I've seen him as world champion. He really looked good in this match, and so did the Pope. Give me this match 10 more times, NWA. Make this the main event for the 74th anniversary. Let me see these guys go a lot, lot more because it was entertaining. I thought this was a very, very good match. I, I really feel like this is what the hallmark of the NWA should be. Competitive, athletic, uh, telling a good story. This was it. Um, what did you think about this one, DK? Uh, the match itself I thought was really good. I certainly enjoyed uh, the action. I don't know why, but for some reason, Pope looks smaller to me in this match. I think and it's the shirt. Maybe. I mean, he's always worn one, but th there was something. It was his arms that I was noticing. And I don't know if he's lost some weight or or what, but he just looked a little bit smaller to me. Neither here, neither here, Cardona are actually very big men. They're probably legitimately in the 220 plus. 
you know, they announced Tim at two, Pope at two thirty, and I can buy that. I mean, uh, uh, but the match itself was entertaining. There wasn't any interference. In a small way, I wish there had been at least something. I would have liked Pope maybe to have a little better apple, you know, than a poke in the eye. You know, finger poke a doom to the eye and then hitting whatever that finish. I don't know what he calls his finisher. Leg layer head is what it is. And, uh, you know, he hits that and he wins one, two, three. So, yeah, I, I would like to see more. I uh, would certainly like there to be more matches between these two. Uh, I would like for Billy to sound like he would want there to be more matches between the two. I haven't quite figured out him and some of the promos he's cut. He almost seemed disinterested in the fact that Pope was challenging for the title when he did his interview. Maybe he's leaving. Maybe. I mean, it's just one of those. I did, I don't know. I really don't know. But, I mean, it's almost like they're setting up for Billy to turn heel, which, God, I hope not, because if that's been the most overused trope since McMahon. And lots of good things about the match. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. I'm not even really going to say anything bad about the results. I want more. Give me more. Rematch, rematch, rematch. Let me chant that in the, you know, stands. Now, Jaden, I know you didn't see the match, but, uh, I mean, what do you think of a match like that? Would you have wanted to see that match? I've seen a couple of the highlights. It was the only thing that somewhat interests me in the power. I didn't have time to watch the whole thing, unfortunately. I wish I kind of did because it, I heard it was really good, and I wanted. And I'm a fan of both wrestlers, um, so I was kind of looking forward to it. I wish I did, but the highlight scene made it look like it was really good. The fact that a lot of people put it over made it seem really good, which probably means now the match will never happen again based on Billy Corgan's uh, mindset. But um, I. I I really believe that Pope should be the guy to take the title away from Cardona. And what they should do now for the next three, four months, have Pope beat everybody and their mother, get singles wins, not three ways and nine ways, and win some convoluted uh, trampoline death match over a barbed wire scaffold that lands into a pit of acid and radioactive crocodiles match to get the championship. He should just be built up by win after win after win after win after win, and then eventually get that rematch and win the championship. And he maybe even have Cordona be worried about him and have him put a bounty on him and have some wrestlers hurt him and him come back from being hurt and stuff like that. Something to build that up so the fans can get excited behind it, build that personal rivalry, that interest, that that bit of... Um, personal conflict just so we could see this match and have it redone. Cause it's, I know for a fact, it's going to be a great match. And obviously by based on this, I, I, I don't have to be a genius to say that even though I am. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, look, uh, 
the simplest way to say this is the match that I think all of us would uh, love to see again or for the first time. Um, I do I do feel that uh, they have something here. You know, when, when we talk about the NWA, uh, very few storylines uh, have ended the way they, that we thought they should have or they were built up the way that we thought they should have. Um, but the longest standing feud that Nick Aldis has had in, with any competitor in the NWA uh, was Trevor Murdoch. And as soon as that program was o- over, as soon as Murdoch was champion, Aldis changed his entire uh, trajectory of his career. So their feud didn't even last through the, the the one title change that came between them. This is a match that I see like could literally continue to happen until Pope retires. Um, I feel like this match makes a lot of sense. You've got two guys who are good in the ring, can back up with their comments, um, a lot of good promos, and the title doesn't even have to be on the line. It could still be fun. It could still be interesting. And it's still something I would like to see um, a lot more of. So with that being said, uh, this was a great main event. It was a great match. There were two really good matches on this show. And based on those two matches alone, the show was above average for me. I know there was a lot of things we complained about tonight, but that's how over I am with that Pope match. And that's how over I was with the, uh, with the Natalia Markova match, even though both of the, 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 the challengers that I liked lost, it was still a really good show uh, in that regards. DK, uh, your final thoughts? Uh, yeah, it was one of those terrible shows that's going to get a medium rating because, you know, two things lifted it out of the muck. Uh, and I was glad to see Cardona pick up a relatively clean victory. Sorry, and I hope doesn't do it as a dastardly, dirty, horrible thing. Uh, you know, I said, I got one. You know, Cardona's going to be champion. I'd rather him be champion for a little while. He's only held the belt two months so far. And, you know, Trevor Murdoch honestly didn't hold it that long at all. I think about five months, I think, something like that. Yeah, September, October, November, December. Yeah, about five and a half months. And so, you know, I'm not into hot-shotting titles ever. So let's let's let this build. Ultimately, I want Pope to take the title off Cardona, but it doesn't have to be at Power Trip. It doesn't have to be at the next pay-per-view. It really doesn't even have to be at the 54th pay-per-view. Maybe Hard Times 2 or maybe the first uh, pay-per-view of uh, 23, you know, let's, you know, let's, let's get some good, some good storylines going. Let's dump this garbage that you produced this week. Uh, and, uh, you know, move forward. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I agree with you on that one. Um, Mr. DKM, we're going to wrap up the show here. If folks want to follow you on the socials, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, Twitter, probably at DKMFWTX. And I've actually posted some related stuff on my Instagram if you want to 
look at that, which I think is also at the end. I couldn't see it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it is private. If you want to look at it, you just send me a request. If I don't, if I wouldn't recognize your name, you know, send me a quick message that says, hey, I'm so-and-so from the show. Jaden, I know you have a few things you'd like to plug real quick before we leave, but let me plug this real quick. Um, next Monday, that would be uh, April the 18th, we will be doing a special a preview show of Marking Our Territory for Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators. Uh, on the show will be a uh, Ray Jazz, your dog heavyweight champion, Chris Diller, your WWGP champion, and uh, James... Milano, Molino, Molino. I was so damn close. Um, yeah, it needed a couple ends thrown in there. Yeah, and maybe a, maybe an extra R too. Uh, we'll be joining me as well as uh, Jaden as we talk about this upcoming event for the Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators that's happening on Saturday, uh, April twenty third, and the glass in Glassboro, New Jersey, as part of uh, the marking our territory event. Uh, and I will let you preview those matches real quick if you would like, uh, Jaden. Well, let's see. Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators returns to do Max Fit Sports Center, located at 240 Delcy Drive South in beautiful uptown, rustic Glassboro, New Jersey, for marking our territory. They return to the greatest professional wrestling promotion in South Jersey. You'll see the main event as Breaker Morant the former champion, the man who, man who never lost that dog championship, goes against young and up-and-coming Ray Jazz. The jazz tip of the day is to come see this wrestling event. <laughs> Ray Jazz and Breaker Morant, two gladiators going one-on-one to crown the undisputed dog champion because Breaker does dispute that championship a little bit. Even though uh, Jazz is the champion, Breaker wants to once and for all settle their differences between each other and come out that dangerous adrenaline wrestling gladiators champion as these two gladiators go one-on-one to find out who's the big dog of dog pro wrestling. You got to see that match. It's only $20. There'll be a world wrestling grand prix heavyweight championship as Tyson Maddox goes against Chris Steeler for the WWGP heavyweight championship. Tyson, Tyson Maddox, look him up on the internet. He's basically a mixture of bad news, Brown and Apollo Cruz, very, very talented wrestler. And that's going to be one of those matches that is going to have a lot of fans talking about both wrestlers. You're going to see Vinny the Fixer defend the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Association Heavyweight Championship, the Mawa Championship, against Getty Cahoon. You're going to see Daredevil Dave Dahl, who is Jake Hell's favorite professional wrestler, going one-on-one against Patch. And fans voted to see that match because they wanted to see Patch do an absolute massacre on Dave Dahl. And you can witness that live at the MaxFit Sports Center. You also can see uh, many, many championship match, uh, break ch- wrestling matches. Uh, there's going to be eight matches so total, and the tickets are only $20. You can buy the whole seat, but you're only going to need the edge. Yeah. So Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators, South Jersey's number one wrestling promotion. Anybody within driving distance, Baltimore is within driving distance, New England within driving distance, Canada is within driving distance, Texas is within driving distance, Florida. Uh- Within driving distance, California is within driving distance. I want to see everybody there at Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators event again, April 23rd, Max Fit Sports Center, 240 Delcy Drive South in beautiful uptown Glassboro, New Jersey. Make sure you check out Dogs, 
uh, YouTube page. Look it up. Go to dogprowrestling.com. You can get all the links to Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiator social media, but the YouTube page especially. Make sure you come check it out because there's been some matches added recently, some really good ones, and there's going to be even a few more added pretty soon. And then also this Saturday night, IWA Vintage has an event coming up. It's going to be at the Super Crazy School in Westville, New Jersey. And uh, they're a sister promotion of Dog, and they're a big fan of the Alliance guys. Maybe one day Atticus can come on and talk about his wrestling promotion with you guys. And again, this Monday, you're going to see Ray Jazz, Jim Molyneux, and Chris Steeler talk about the awesome event coming up. That is, again, this Monday, talking about the event coming up next Saturday, April 23rd. Come make sure you see it. You don't want to miss it. Ray Jazz, I've seen, a, I know, I've seen a little preview of what Ray Jazz can do, and I think the Jazz tip of the day is you don't want to miss the Alliance guys when they have this going. And um, I don't know. I guess that's all I could say. <laughs> well, I mean, you said quite a bit. Uh, yeah, and uh, just so you know, our pal Dave Scooby on the pre-party said he's he's coming to, to be a part of uh, that event, so you will see Dave Scooby there. Make sure uh, you give him a hot dog or something. I don't know. Uh, Make sure he's wearing his his uh, Alliance guys uh, ham sandwich shirt or his Alliance guys hat or his uh, Alliance-Wrestling.com hat or any of the Alliance.com merchandise. And if he doesn't have it, make sure he orders it now so he'll be ready to get there for him so he can see it at the dog wrestling event. Uh, and again, guys, thank you so much for being a part of this show each and every Thursday night. Uh, you really do make it a lot of fun. We do enjoy uh, interacting with you guys, all the comments and everything else. If you enjoy the show, you know, do it, do what you always do and share it, tell your friends. And until next time, we will see you at the matches. Thanks for joining the stream. This has been a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you'll never miss a future episode? I'd also like to remind you we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. before NWA Power. You can find us on social media at The Alliance Blog. And until next time, we are The Alliance.